0: Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We truly hope you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. We have all eternity to enjoy fellowship with one another. Can't do it all on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. The beautiful thing is, you know, we've had people come in here, you know, that are new and say, boy, the service ends and nobody leaves. Everyone just stays around and talks. And I think that's supposed to be a compliment. Usually, when we hear that, right? We should have deep and rich friendships in the kingdom. Uh, So, this is good. Uh, You know, it was funny. Uh, I love Christmas. We're like deep into Christmas preparation. Everybody's got their, you know, service we're going to do Saturday here or whatever. You got your plans afterwards. I love all the preparations, everything going on with Christmas. My daughter this morning at 6 o'clock, I was getting ready. I get ready, I come up, I prepare, get some stuff done. I'm getting, I'm starting to walk out. I turn the light on of Juliana's room and she, did the elf move? It's like, that was the first thing she thought of. You know, we do the little elf thing that you move around and, you know, I know some people think it's a little creepy, maybe. (laughs) Uh, But the kids enjoy it and we have fun and she still thinks it moves on its own, so it's kind of fun. What's that? Oh, it was sick for a long time, too, because we kept forgetting to move it. So they, every time she'd come down, well, it's still in the same place. I'm like, well, it must be sick. I think it's under the weather. We forgot for like three nights in a row, you know. It's like, but this morning, literally, I turned the light on. She was laying down. She looked up. Did the elf move? It was like the first thing she thought of this morning. It was like, I do not even, she wasn't even like conscious at that point. I don't know how that was the first thing that came to her mind. Um... I also think, too, so, you know, we all have those traditions that we try to instill in our family, right? Things that you did as you were a kid and, you know, that we like to bring into our family or whatever. One of mine, personal ones was, anyone remember the Christmas Carol play, right? Or a movie or book. Charles Dickens' book, very, very famous, right? We've all seen it. Uh, Well, I thought it'd be a great idea a few years ago to, you know, hey, I went and saw it as a kid. I saw the play. I thought it was great. I think the themes of Christmas are really relevant there about giving and about, you know, I mean, just everything, really. what what life is about, you know, just the great themes of that book. So uh, we were, uh, so I went out and bought the Muppet, the Muppet version of A Christmas Carol. You know, if I grew up, remember seeing that, you know, they were terrified of it. It was like the scariest story ever. So I thought, okay, this is going to be great. We were watching it for about 15 minutes, and they're like, "Nope, we hate this. This is scary." (laughs) And if you remember that scene in that movie, where um, you know, or movie or book, whatever, when uh, Ebenezer Scrooge walks up to the door and sees the face of Jacob Marley in the door (laughs) knocker. And it was a Muppet with the big nose. It was like Gonzo in that <laughs> door knocker. I thought it'd be funny. They were like, oh my God, totally freaked out by it. They're like, nope, turn it off. We don't like it. It's going to give us nightmares. I thought, okay, this is strange. I mean, maybe this is, I didn't really think it was that scary when I was young, right, Livy? We joke about that all the time. So then, okay, so that was a few years ago. So I went out a couple years ago, or actually this was last year. Uh, I thought it was a great idea. I said, they're older now. I went to Target, you know, they got that nice $5 DVD section, you can get $5 kids DVDs. I found A Christmas Carol. And this one had George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm like, this has got to be epic. I mean, he was Patton. Patton's got to be the best Ebenezer Scrooge ever, you know, I mean, what could be more epic than having Patton as Ebenezer Scrooge, you know? I brought it home, they were terrified of it. They had nightmares for like two weeks, right, Libby? We watched it. I thought it was a great movie. They were, like, terrified of the the ghosts and all this stuff. Ghosts of Christmas past, future, present, whatever. Uh, You know, so I have still tried, and I have been unsuccessful in integrating that into my family. Um, But I remember going to see that play when I was, like, a young kid. I think, uh, Kristen, your dad was in it at Bethel, if you remember, back in the day. I still remember that. Uh, It's a great story, but my... uh, I will continue trying to integrate that into our family, but <laughs> it has been unsuccessful. Uh, so, anyways, you gotta love some of that stuff. So, I love Christmas. I love all the themes. I, I just lo- I could never get tired of hearing the Christmas story. And my hope and a prayer would be that like that's the same for us. That something new each year hits our heart, and we have our hearts open to receive something new. And this morning, I'm going to do something a little bit different. My teaching hat is on today. Um, I know, it's a big deal. Um, But my heart is to, uh, we're going to kind of share a little bit of history, tie it into the prophecy of Isaiah 9, which is like such an amazing prophecy that was foretelling Christ, right? Uh, And then how our mission actually looks like the king that was described in Isaiah 9. I think sometimes we just see, oh yeah, that's what Jesus was going to be, you know, a wonderful counselor uh, you know, Prince of Peace, whatever. But actually, that's the nature we should be taking on, too. Uh, so our mission is directly tied to the prophecy that prophesied Christ's birth. Um, so we're going to go through this. We're going to just have some fun with this. Um, I really enjoyed a special book this year. Um, anyone knows me knows I'm a pretty avid reader. I did um, enjoy a book called "By Names for the Messiah by Walter Brueggemann, a really great Old Testament scholar. Just a fun Advent study. Some of this is going to come out of here or highlights of it, um, but just to throw that out there if you're interested. Um, but, okay, so here's the thing. So, we're going to get into this in a minute, but before we do, let's start with this scripture, Galatians 4. So if you have your Bibles out, you've got your phone, your iPad, your whatever, your Google Glasses that has all the things in them, whatever we use, <laughs> open them up and take some notes, and we're going to enjoy this, have fun. So Galatians 4, 4 through 8 says, and I think this is such an epic scripture, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. There's so much in that right there. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This would have been so significant to them who were raised under Roman rule and occupation, and there were slaves all throughout the empire. I think historians have said like half of the empire were slaves. I mean, it was a slave machine. So this would have such significance. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his Son. Now let's look at another one, and I feel like this is an epic, this is a packed scripture. Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled... And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And that was, you know, Jesus, that was what he came in saying. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near, which is amazing in and of itself. Repent and believe in the good news. So now we're going to back up a little bit and look back at that prophecy so that Isaiah's prophecy of Isaiah 9, we're going to read it in a minute, would have been 800 years or so before the birth of Christ. So 800 years. Picture that time. Every time there was a king that was coming, they'd be like, okay, is he going to fit these descriptions because they're watching and they're waiting for a king who is going to look like Isaiah 9-6. So... um, so actually, if you have that, you can look at that now. We're actually going to read that, um, read that together. But Isaiah 9, verse 6, uh, 6 and 7, I think part of this goes into. For a son will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government, and of peace." That's a pretty bold statement. There's a lot in there. What this would have meant to them, if you're in their shoes back in that day, is that there was a new era coming in, a new regime that was going to look so different from a controlling, oppressive Roman government that was ruling the world at that time. Um, And his name was going to be Jesus. And he was going to look completely different than the darkness of that day. There was a light coming into the world that was going to infuse the world. Uh, and he was going to set things right again, and he was going to bring in, I like this thought, of a healthy new order, or something that was healthy, that looked healthy. It wasn't all system. It wasn't all about doing and not doing and following 613 laws and regulations in the Old Covenant. Uh, but this, he was going to set in a new order, the way it was intended to be, that was relational. And he was going to be available to all people. So that's pretty cool. So I've kind of called this message today the administration of God's kingdom because we can't just read this stuff and have no impact on our life. This stuff changes our lives. It puts a mission in our life. You know, my mission is directly tied to what this king was going to look like. And that's what I should be demonstrating in my everyday, right? Right? So I I tell you, there's something different about knowing the ways in the teachings of Jesus and saying, yes, I agree with it, than there is following it and doing it and opening up your life to transformation where it looks different, you know. Uh, We can't just say that we agree and we follow the teachings of Jesus but not have the fruit of it in our life, you know. We we should not be sitting in a church for 30 years not changing, not having deep transformation taking place place in our life. So that's my prayer as we go through this today, that bells start going off and like, yeah, okay, I get it now. This is bigger than just a scripture we read once a year at Christmas. This, this has huge implications for me and my life. So we're going to look at it kind of together like that, okay? So first one, we're going to peel that apart a little bit and just look at those four titles. Wonderful Counselor. You know, we hear this so many times, you know, we, I sang it for years in Handel's Messiah. Handel's Messiah is awesome, by the way. Uh, I love it. It is so biblical. It is uh, so prophetic. It's just, there's just so much in that. I sang it for years in choirs and all that. Um, back in the days when I did a lot more singing, I know it's hard to believe. I don't as much anymore. I'm sorry, Jan. I know, I'm trying. <laughs> Jan's trying to get it out of me, but uh, wonderful counselor. So this term really, I don't think we ever think of it like this, but counselor of wonders. How cool is that? Flip it around a little bit. Wonderful counselor. And it's more than just counsel that we think of when we think of counseling today. I go in, I get counseling, they, they listen, share a few things with me. No, this is different than that. Counselor of wonders would have been the exercise of governance. Governance to administer and to execute policy back in the day. So there was a new king coming in who was a counselor of wonders who was going to execute amazing policy and and execute order and bring in a new governance. You know, it's so much bigger than just maybe what we've thought about in our Western world. But the new king would administer wondrous policies with amazing effectiveness. How cool is that? You know, and when we hear that, we think, okay, okay, if Christ is in me, I think I'm going to have some of that too, right? right. right. I have an ability, wherever I'm at, to exercise wonderful policies and in, in exer- execute governance wherever I'm at. So that's pretty cool. So he, this king, according to that title, would execute extraordinary plans for public life and its citizens. If you were listening, you were looking for a king that was going to be a counselor of wonders, He was going to be a king that would execute amazing public policy for his citizens. That's like wow. There's a lot in that, you know. So that's that. We're just going to hit these kind of briefly. But mighty God. Okay, let's look at mighty God. You know, we sing all these songs about mighty God, and you know, and and I love that title. We see. um, Okay, but so here's the thing. First of all, he was God, Jesus, right? Full divinity in a person. He came to earth fully God, fully man, and we even see this when Thomas, when, he, when, he, um, when Jesus rose, remember he appeared to his disciples, and Thomas actually said to him, my Lord and my God, right, so my Lord and my God, and that's how we approach God, is through the Lordship of Christ, you know, he's our God and he's Lord of our life. Uh, but when you think of mighty, and in this context, man, I'll bet you, if, if if you are ancient Israel and you're you're following that prophecy and you're waiting for a king that was going to come that was going to look like those things, you're thinking of mighty as a totally different meaning than what actually happened. You know, he's going to be an amazing king. He's going to come in and destroy the Romans. Uh, he's going to overthrow, set up his new temple here. He's going to reign. He's going to be a mighty, militarily brave. King. I just we, uh, me and my older girls just watched Gladiator uh, a couple of nights ago. You might say, why would you watch Gladiator with your younger, older kids? I love that movie. We enjoyed it very much. Um, but you got to see just the the might and the empire and the power of Rome. And just every you know guy movie night that you ever wanted to have was Gladiator. You know, it's like the ultimate. You know. So, but I think of might. I think of that. I think of that type of fighting. That's in my mind. And that's probably how they were actually thinking. You know, by the way, Joy and I, when we were in Italy back in May, when you actually go to the Colosseum and they tell you that over 350,000 people died in that Colosseum, and that about 1,000 years ago, one of the popes dedicated it as a sacred, it's a huge mass burial ground so when you really think of it we see the pictures and the images and then when you're there and you realize wow what actually happened here 350,000 people and lots of christians uh, hundred maybe a couple hundred thousand christians they said were killed there it's now a sacred site it's a really a mass burial ground uh, but it's actually quite amazing but that would have looked like rome back in the heyday man that was that was it um, but when we think of mighty in God, we can look at you know, Jesus from John eighteen thirty six, where he could have fought back, remember? But he said, no, my kingdom is not from this world. My kingdom doesn't look like that. I don't retaliate like that. You know? That was his way of power. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 1, 21 through 28. You don't hear as much page turning as you did like 10 or 15 years ago. It's hard to hear all the tapping on the screens. <laughs> but Mark 1, 21 to 28. I'm going to read this. Um, and they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And I love that. I feel like that's like a subtle dig. I mean, that was just kind of like a real raw dig. I mean, I, I wonder if Mark was a little bent out of shape about the church back then. Because he's actually describing it. And they were amazed at Jesus' teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. It's like, oh, okay, wow, that was a slight sarcasm. And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a lo- loud voice and came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. There again, you know, you got to love that. It must have been really boring church services back then, you know. So now Jesus comes in and he casts a demon out of somebody. And they say, what is this, a new teaching with a th- that actually has authority to it? I mean, they're actually doing what they said they were going to do? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. You know, that is what the power of the kingdom was going to look like, right? So you see even in Mark 4, when the storm arose and they were in the boat, he tells the storm to peace, be still. He's telling, you know, weather patterns to be quiet. That's pretty cool. Uh, The disciples even said in there, who is this? Even the winds and the seas obeyed him. You know, the unclean spirit in the seas, the storm had to obey him. That was the mighty God coming, bringing something of heaven into earth. You know, it's different than military power. It was a complete power over darkness. Um, Just, you know, bringing the light into the darkness. Um, we even see the early church in Acts 1. They start to demonstrate power. And it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. You know, so we see, okay, this mighty king is coming. He's going to fit this prophecy. It doesn't just stop there. It, it continues in us. And we see that in Acts 1. I don't know how you can profess a Christian and not, you know, not walk in any power or any authority. I mean, that's, that's, you're missing, that's missing the whole point. Something's wrong. Because if we're supposed to look like our king and demonstrate that, then there should be some likeness there. So the church, we carry that on. And they did in the early church in Acts 1. But they will receive, it said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We still have the Holy Spirit coming upon us today and infilling us, right? The Holy Spirit infills us. The Holy Spirit is a good guide. It leads us. It helps bring us into truth. I'm so thankful for it. And he even said, it's better for me to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come to you, right? How important is that? You know, Ralph talked about, in, you know, in the beginning of the year, we're having a prophet come in here, uh, January 7th and 8th. And I can't think of a better way to start the year than to have a prophet come in into a church, um, if you want to stay the same, if you don't want to grow, then you do not want to be here. I, I'm just going to tell ya, you. Know, you don't. Because a prophet will shake things up. And it's going to look different. It's gonna feel, you're going to start feeling things that have been in your heart there a long time. And it's going to start coming to the surface. Because that's what a prophet does, right? We have prophetic ministry here. We have a lot of uh, seasoned prophetic people in this room. Um, we know that. How many have had a personal prophetic word over your life at some point? Yeah. I remember a lot of sermons, but I remember a lot more of my prophetic words more. I remember some that I had that actually changed my life. I remember some sitting in this room 15, 18 years ago and a, a prophet saying, standing me up and saying, Pastor, 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 pastor. And it was totally off of my grid at that point. I was a business person. I, just, I was serving, helping out in any way I could in the church. I didn't envision what I would be doing today back then. But someone else saw that and called it out, you know, and and here I am today, you're stuck with me, you know, so Joey and I and Ralph and our whole team, you're stuck with us. Um, But that's what the prophetic does. So hearing the voice of the Lord is part of the power, you know, that the church is to demonstrate and to call that out of each other. Um, Let's look at Everlasting Father. This is such an awesome image of God. You know, um, you know, I had a wonderful earthly father who's here, and I love my dad, and so I can relate with this, and I know we don't all come from those same backgrounds, um, but, you know, if you have not, God is the ultimate father you could ever have, and he doesn't leave us or forsake us. When you think of everlasting father, I think of things like caring, you know, he's a caring person, he's steadfast, you know, he's steady, and he uh, goes over time. How about this one for everlasting father? Reliable leadership throughout generations. How about that? A good everlasting father demonstrates reliable leadership for the family over generations, like a shepherd would do. You you can trust him. The sheep can trust the shepherd. Uh, In Luke 18, Jesus even acts like this. He says, let the little ones come to me. And in John 13, he addresses them as little children. I mean, he, he saw, you know, God is God the Father, but Jesus and God share such a close nature that it's, it's shared between them. It looks like God. Jesus look, came to demonstrate the heart of God. <laughs> Jesus was very fatherly in everything he did, and sometimes he gave a really hard word and a sharp rebuke and a good kick in the butt like sometimes we, we need in life. Um, but he also demonstrated great care. Um, and, uh, and I love this one too. John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's talking about the Godhead there. I, we're not going to leave you as orphans, but we're gonna, I'm going to come to you. Um, we're, we're not orphans. He's with us, right? We are not orphans on earth. We have a good everlasting Father Uh, who's Jesus, who is interceding for us and who loves us. Um, He's with us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. So when I want us to think of this, when we think of Everlasting Father, we're part of the everlasting, okay? We're We're part of that everlasting to demonstrate the reality of the goodness of God over generations. That's part of our call. Everyone in here, we share in that. If we have Christ in us, we start to look like him. We start to take on his nature. We're called to reveal the heart of the Father as we go through life. Jesus, he died, he rose, and he ascended to heaven where he rules. We extend the reign of the king here, and part of that is the everlasting. We're part of the continuance of God the Father and Jesus on earth and demonstrating that, right? Okay, so I hope you're seeing some of this in a little bit of a new light. And we're very tied to this, you know? It's not just this big, separate, lofty thing. Um, Okay, so let's look at Prince of Peace, and this is the fourth. Um, And this is such an interesting one, Prince of Peace. So they're looking for, who is this person that's going to fit this Prince of Peace? By the way, that prophecy came out when Hezekiah was king, and they would have thought that might have been him, but he didn't really have a good end, you know, unfortunately. And he didn't fulfill those. Uh, he wasn't a good everlasting father. He was a good ruler, but then he ran into some big problems. So they would have probably had a great sense of letdown, like, oh, this isn't him. And then it's like someone had to say, sorry, you're going to have to wait about 800 years. You know, it's like you've got a little bit of a wait, many generations. Um, but uh, so Prince of Peace, if you are a prince, you're coming from some sort of a royal line or a royal lineage, Jesus is from Nazareth. I mean, it's not really, you know, it's not like Pittsburgh here. I mean, or, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. It's, I won't go any farther than that. But. I was going to say maybe Walmart or something. I, but, you know, hey, hey, some people like Walmart. I get it. I'm, I like Target better, but so Prince of Peace. He's from he's from Nazareth. He doesn't come from a royal background. Now we know, like through the Welton Academy and stuff, Jesus was a descendant of David, fulfilling the covenant, right, the Davidic covenant. Um, but they weren't thinking like that. I mean, they're all looking for this person who's going to come from a royal background and from a king or something from Caesar from Rome, not from Nazareth. It even said, what good comes from Nazareth? I think it says that in there. Um, not much. So Luke 2.14, though, so you think of Prince of Peace, when Jesus is born, the heavens start declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Um, so Prince of Peace. Now, also keep in mind that this was during the Pax Romana, right? Remember we all learned about that in high school? That's one of those things we learned and we totally forgot. You know, or like the Magna Carta. I still can't tell you what that one is about. But this one, I got to, we got to really understand firsthand. So the Pax Romana was the era of Roman peace. Now, it sounds great, but when we were over in Italy, you know, when you really start walking the places, right, John? It's like you see the real story of things. Um, and uh, the, we had, a, we had a, one day, uh, we were walking, Joy and I were in Rome in May, and we had a guide for the day. And this guide was you know, real wonderful. He, was, he had a Ph.D. in Byzantine history. I mean, you have got to be a very unique individual to have a Ph.D. in Byzantine history. But the Roman Empire spanned such a long time, so you had to be a very, very bright person to understand Greek history, Roman history, understand Latin, Greek, and, I mean, brilliant guy. He told us, he's like, the Apocalypse Romana was really more of a propaganda campaign. So, you know, of course there was an era of peace because Caesar Augustus was so brutal They put down everyone else and forcibly decimated every other army or uprising that was there. So it wasn't a peace that came from the bottom up. It was a peace that came from the top down. Uh, And it was a forced peace, and it was very superficial. So it was really a big propaganda campaign. If you're Caesar, you're like, you know what? I want my rule and my reign to be known as the Pax Romana. It's going to be an era of peace. Well, it wasn't peace in the sense of what Christ was coming to bring. It was a forced peace. Um, And uh, you know, all the nations were just decimated under the Roman Empire. And if there was an uprising, man, even a small uprising, it was put down so forcibly, and they'd hang them and crucify them and leave them all over the place, so everyone could see them. And nobody would want to do that again. Uh, So you probably learned that lesson. So his peace was going to be a peace that surpassed all understanding and all comprehension. It wasn't a forcible peace. It was a peace that he came to bring by laying down his own life. Like, wow, what a different way. It was a peace that he came by coming in a manger in the most gross condition to be born, you know. Uh, It was a totally different thing. It was not a kingly forced down thing. It was coming from the bottom up. He entered our world in the most lowly way. His peace is different and he brought his peace by laying down his life, by serving, by being obedient to his Father. So that peace surpasses all comprehension. It is like so totally different than what we would think of as you know, imposing peace on people. And when Jesus resurrected, he said in John 20, 19, peace be with you, peace be with you. He says it twice. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you in the same way, to be peacemakers. You know, that's part of our nature. Jesus was willing to lay down his life to bring a healthy new order into, see a healthy new kingdom come in. Um, and here, here's a funny thought. That I felt like the Lord showed me this week. You'll never look at a Wi-Fi unit again. Um, but I, So, you know, we have a Wi-Fi unit hub in this building somewhere, and then we have repeaters that are all out throughout this building, like right? right? Like in your places of work or whatever. Um, but I think, I feel like the, our job, we're like those repeaters that broadcast that message all over the place. You know, taking this good king, and like Jesus is like the Wi-Fi hub, and we're like the repeaters sending out the message of the kingdom. And we're all in different places, and we're broadcasting the message, you know, in different areas, in different places. But the message is the same, because the message isn't different to each different unit doing their own thing, it's the same message. It's living the life of Christ. It's all of what we're talking about today. So when we think of our lives, we're all out there in different places serving, revealing the nature of God. Um, it's just a really great thing. Uh, so, so that's that. Okay, so you'll never look at a Wi-Fi unit quite the same like that. So um, so when, when we talk about all of this stuff, it just makes me think this is not a boring story. It is, Christmas is not a boring message. It's actually a radical counterculture message yeah. of what Jesus came to do. And our message is a radical counterculture message to reveal the gospel of the kingdom in a world that, you know, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. What do you mean? You're coming to serve us? And that's how you're going to have influence here is by coming in and doing whatever you can do to help and to serve and to love that's not the way people get ahead here yeah <laughs> i mean in our world you know it's like you, it's through force and it's through striving but that's uh, jesus turned the world upside down and our mission is to follow his example right i i appreciate all of the relevance and stuff in churches and i get it because i want to be relevant to our culture we don't live in ad 33 we live in 2016. Uh, they didn't have churches with bathrooms and electric guitars and everything we do, and I think that's okay. There's some people they say, "Well, everything is, you know, beyond what the early church did." Well, it should be because we've progressed a lot since the first century church. We are not the first century church. We are the church of 2016 going into 2017. So hopefully, um, we can look like that. Or otherwise, it'd look really strange around here, you know, including really odd outfits and stuff, you know. So. Um, but so Jesus turned the world upside down. Our job is to follow His examples. The same thing that the apostles did in Acts 17:6. Um, you know, the apostles were accused of being sent out. And who are these people that have turned the world upside down? You know, that was their reputation. You know, what is ours? You know, are we out there making a difference? Are we revealing the nature of the King? Are we extending the kingdom wherever we're at, including here? Uh, it's not all going to happen here in this room. It's going to happen outside. And then we're coming in like a really good, happy, healthy family that loves to be together and connect and to get equipped and to live life together. And then we go out there and we demonstrate the kingdom, you know. You, you really shouldn't have a life where here you're, you're serving in one capacity and out there it's a total disconnect. Like, I'm, I, you know, you, you, people wouldn't even look at you and know that you're a believer. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're going for. That's not a message that's permeated our whole life and transformed our life. I'm in the business world. I I don't work in the church all day long, but I know that I carry the same DNA out there that I do here. And people, you know, I'm telling you, I I could share stories, which I can't because there's people listen to podcasts that I don't want to reveal things on that are not part of this church. Um, But I can just tell you that when I'm in my workplace, I know I'm extending the heart of God. And people see that, and they come to you, and they privately, they ask you. I've had people break down at business lunches, crying, just sharing their heart about stuff. I mean, you know, it's like, don't, don't despise your work outside of here. Don't despise your life outside of this building. Enjoy it, you know. I see, uh, I don't know, I saw Tom Mark here. Tom, I hate to point you out in your first week here, but uh, so my kids... Um, come home, and I think I might have shared part of this with them, but they have a lot of substitute teachers, you know, and, and teachers at Churchville. Yeah, and I don't hear about all of them, but I started to hear about one. Oh, there's this teacher who does this music class, and he plays the harmonica, and he tells us jokes. And I remember, and it was like, but, like, I have four girls, okay, and they're spread out throughout all of the ages, you know, uh, you know, fifth grade, I mean, all, all over. You know? So I'm like, oh, I can't be the same person. But then I started to realize he started subbing in different classes and doing different things. Um, And I'll tell you, there's just, I saw him uh, conduct a concert last week where there's such a visible, um, you were enjoying what you were doing. You felt like you were doing it for more than just to do the concert. That's how we should be living our lives you know, where kids are coming back, I had this teacher who impacted me, and he did this, and he didn't read all the whole book of Romans to me or lead me down the Romans road, but, you know, it was am- I felt impacted. This person likes what he's doing. That's what we should be talked about like, you know? Um, hey, yeah, you work at Bausch & Lomb, you don't want to be the grouchy one who everyone doesn't like there, and they hear, well, you're a Christian? I would never have known that. You're really active in your church? Boy, it's a total disconnect from me. No, this message permeates our entire life. Um, I had a friend of mine who's here today. I invited to, uh, I did a presentation or led a business meeting earlier this week and we had probably 70 or 80 business people and leaders there. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, it's funny, you're like the same person here that you are up front in church. I'm like, thank you. That's probably the greatest compliment you could give me. Maybe you could say, oh, maybe you're boring here and you're boring there, I don't know. I don't think he was trying to say that. But I, I honestly felt like, okay, good, then I, I'm glad because what you see hopefully for people up here is the same as what you see out in their normal day. Um, so I, I hope, my, that's our prayer, is that uh, we're being transformed and it's real what God has done in our lives and it impacts our life beyond just this room, right? So, so just some of that stuff. So I hope that stirs us, but again, just that verse from Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The time was fulfilled. The time of all the prophetic prophecies leading up to Christ. Right? That 800 plus year time. Jesus was saying, the time's fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. I still can't even totally wrap my head around that one. That he came and left heaven to come and set up his kingdom on earth. And each one of us gets to be the ones that extend that reign and that rule here. That's cool. That's what we're going after. So I'll tell you, even here, we're going to be focused on equipping people to fulfill their unique assignments. Um, You know, I personally, I love getting together. I love worship. I think one of our core reasons we get together is to go deep in worship. Because I've had more change when I've been in times of worship probably than any other things. Um, But it's going to be times of worship and family and connection and good teaching, but the purpose is so personal transformation in our lives. So if you know people out there that they need that, bring them in here. And I I mean, we've had words of this place being a greenhouse where people come in, they get healthy, whole, and sent out, you know, Uh, that's that's part of our heart here. So I'm going to be sharing more on this in the days ahead of how we're actually going we feel called and we've had words here that we're going to be a resource for the region in doing this uh, because I'll tell you, there's people here in this room, some of you have had prophetic words over your lives for 30 years, 40 years, 15 years uh, and you know this is the season you're called to walk in that stuff and we want to help and get behind you and it doesn't mean everybody's going to preach from the front and you know, I, we get all these images of, well, if I'm truly walking and I must be a leader up here, I wish we could do that with 200 people but that's not possible. So then it's got to be more than that, right? I mean, it's it's bigger than that. It's it's more unique than that. Um, and there were days where, man, you, if you wanted to work your way into the kingdom, you started as a janitor, you worked up to teacher, you became this, and you became that, and then maybe one day you were holy enough to share from the stage. That's not the Christianity, the Christian message. Christ came to reveal. It's, uh, that's called religion, and it's a system of governance. And Jesus did not come to instill a system into our lives. He came to instill relationship. So it's relational, right? So, so I love that. So just ending on it, just a couple things. Um, you know, I keep getting prophetic words. Uh, oh, you guys are going to be growing. You're going to be doing this and that. But I am more focused on equipping people to do the work of the ministry and that's what we're going to be known for here is people come in and hopefully get activated you get stirred it doesn't mean we're all running around crazy stepping all over each other trying to get into speak or teach or whatever Um, but it's a very natural thing it's it's you know it's God's heart that you would reflect him in your unique way and in your place of work or influence or whatever that is uh, I think a lot of people just don't know what that looks like, or they don't know, and that's going to be part of what we're going to be sharing on and focusing on in days ahead. So I'm personally um, excited about 2017. There's a lot I've wanted to share, but I felt the Lord say, share this stuff today. Take time to slow down. Talk about Isaiah 9:6. Don't share too much about 2017 yet, uh, which is hard to do because I am really excited about it. Um, but I just felt like I wanted us to get this message into our heart um and then kinda end the year on that note. But just the goodness of God and his awesome kingdom that we get to administer and we get to be part of the administration of God's kingdom. That's pretty cool. And that's no small thing. And that's something worth spending your life going after. Um there's a lot of things that are not worth spending your life on. Um you know, But there are certain things that are, and that is. So I would encourage you to dedicate your life, focus it in that direction. It's a journey, it's a journey of transformation in your life. It doesn't all happen quickly. Uh, but there is no other way to go. I'm telling you, there's no other way to go. Take some risks, step out of the boat, follow the things that the Lord's telling you to do. Have good friends and good relationships around you, people you can trust that actually can speak into your life. Um, and and look for those that are farther ahead than you. Um, Sometimes we get so safe in our little groups, um, you know, go after those who are farther along and say, I want what you have. Um, You know, I would just encourage you with that. Um, You don't change by hanging around the same group. If you wanted to grow and you haven't, then you need to look to do something different and and find people that you can draw on and say, I like that, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to be stretched. Um, I think that's how you know when the Spirit of God is moving in somewhere, where you feel stirred. You feel stirred to some sort of action, or to loving, or to serving, or to giving. That's like the Spirit of God. Um, He didn't come to instill a stagnant church that just goes through the same ritual or system every week. It should be life-giving. So let's stand and pray. I just want to bless you. And look at that, I ended early. Wow, Leading, leading by example. uh, that's good Lord I just thank you God for everybody in this room Lord everyone that you have drawn here uh, to hear this message today and Lord we even um, as we close this year we just start preparing our hearts even for next year we seal kind of the things that you've done in us this year but we also go into it with a heart open to receive more Because you haven't called us to just stay where we're at. But you you came, and as we heard this morning, you came to instill a very radical uh, system and bring forth a new people of God that would look like you and that would serve and that would love and that would demonstrate this new administration, this new order into the earth. And it's a huge calling that we have to follow in your example So, Lord, I pray for all that you stirred this morning. Lord, that you'd water those seeds that have been planted. You are a good waterer. Send others to water those seeds, God. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here to lead us, that's here to guide us, that leads us into truth and leads us into relationship with you. Lord, we thank you so much. We just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place to have your way. You are welcome here even right now as you're speaking to people as you're stirring hearts. As you're breaking forth some dams that have been erected in our hearts. And I feel like even as I was sharing that there was some of that stuff was breaking. And sometimes dams they're erected over years or blockages, but God is he is breaking that dam. He's breaking that thing that's been erected maybe due to hurt Uh, But it's going to burst forth, and I just declare next year is just a year of increase, a year of abundance over our lives, God. Lord, thank you. There's no end to the increase of your government. There's no end to the love of God and the love of the Father. Lord, we love you so much today. Let that be what drives our life. What motivates our life is the love of God. And uh, thank you, Lord. Bless you, God. We really hope you enjoyed this week's message. Please join us again sometime and be sure to check out our exciting resources at newhopecom.org.